0: Rock the Musical lands in Newcastle July 18. Get ready to stick it to the man with the ultimate musical thrill ride based on the legendary film and with a rocking new score from Andrew Lloyd Webber. School of Rock the Musical. Book now. Live at the Civic
1: Theatre Newcastle 18th and the 20th of July. What's on to what matters. It's Tracy Mack on Newcastle in the morning, only on Newcastle Live. Since taking over professional football from the governing body in 2020, the Australian Professional Leagues, or the APL, has delivered a new brand, a new competition, a major broadcast rights deal and significant capital investment from Silver Lake. But there's also been some hurdles, namely a certain thing called COVID, and a Newcastle side that is still owned by four of the current league sides. In January of 2022, A League Managing Director Danny Thompson became the first APL CEO. We spoke with Danny here on Newcastle Live back in April, ahead of a move to make social media a fast, safer environment for footballers with a public profile. I thought it was time to catch up with Danny and see how things have been going with professional football in Australia ahead of the November 18 to December 8 break while the World Cup takes place in Qatar. Danny, thank you for your time.
0: No, thanks for, for letting me come on the show.
1: My pleasure. Now, obviously, it has been a little while since the APL took over. Um, you're about to enter round four of this league's uh, this year's competition. How are things going? What's the report card look like so far?
0: Yeah, looks so far, so good. You know, we, we obviously had a challenging first season. Um, it was, was heavily impacted by the COVID pandemic and probably most importantly, the the Omicron peak in, in right in the heart of our season last year and it forced us to reschedule over 130 fixtures which was unprecedented really and um, this this season was a real fresh start for us, a chance to reset, a, a chance to re-engage our core fans who found it difficult to follow the game whilst there was so much uncertainty. So yeah, so far these first three rounds have been really pleasing on, on many levels.
1: And the football has been pleasing as well hasn't it?
0: Yeah absolutely, I think we've, you know, the last couple of seasons at least we've What we've delivered on the pitch has been fantastic. The challenges have been offered, really, and I think um, the way the the teams have put themselves together this year and the the way they've started the season across the board, I think it's a very even competition, which is great. You know, every every team is is picking up points every weekend, and and that's what you want, a really balanced competition that gives all fans hope that their team's going to be there when the whips are cracking.
1: Now, uh, when you first, uh, first took over full-time, um, obviously one of your key areas was uh, to accelerate the, uh, the digital transformation and uh, obviously, uh, you know, support and continue the momentum and the vision for, uh, for the APL. Where are you at?
0: Yeah, look, it's been a, a really great start to the year. You know, we've, we've built the infrastructure um, over the course of the last 12 months, both digital and data, to, to underpin the strategy, as you, as you pointed out, and the investment we're making in that um, that was made possible by the partnership with, with Silver Lake, ha- has been really pleasing. But last year, with those challenges, it was really difficult to, to ingest the content that really drives sort of bees to the honey pot. And, and you would have seen so far this year, yeah, the content uh, proposition that we're we're distributing both on uh, multi channels, whether it be video, audio, or, or editorial across all our platforms, has, has been at a completely different level to the game seen before. And probably most notably, our all access documentary series that's a huge undertaking, mm. 30 episodes of Fly on the Wall, week in, week out um, coverage of, of the biggest stories in the game. And, you know, the Charlie Austin one last week with Brisbane Raw has already over a million views um, on our platforms, which, you know, that, that put it in perspective, you know, it's at 10x what we would have been getting um, at, the, at the end of last season. So a really major, major shift in consumption, which is really encouraging. <laughs>
1: The other great uh, great thing that we've seen this year is an improvement on uh, on Paramount's uh, coverage of the match. Obviously, there were a few criticisms last year. Was that something that you looked at in the off-season?
0: Yeah, look, it was a big undertaking for everyone to, to change the production structure of the game. You know, we were with Foxtel for, for 16 years and they were a great partner to us. And um, we had the opportunity to shift over to Network 10 and Paramount Plus, who, who really got behind our game. And they, they stood up a, a, a um, streaming service uh, from scratch really, which, which was a difficult thing to do and, and we had our challenges collectively there last year with that. But yeah, as you say, having the off-season to, to regroup and put in place both production frameworks and, and content um, structures that allowed us to really um, yeah, step change the way the game's presented on, on television and we're really happy with where that's going. There's still a lot of room for improvement and, and we continue to work with Paramount on, on making it the best it can be.
1: At the moment, Denny, we've got two games on free-to-air a week. Is that enough?
0: Look, I think it is, you know the dynamic these days around you know streaming and and, and linear broadcast, you know our the one great strength of our code is that we're the biggest sport in the country for under thirty five and and they're digital natives, they're consuming they're consuming their sport in through digital channels and and not through linear broadcast. So you know we want to we want to put our product in front of where our our key consumer base are, and that's the younger demographic, and they're all, as I said, digital natives. So I think that balance is right. You know we shifted from one game to two. And the really important move for us was ensuring that every female game in the A-League women was live and free on, on 10 plays. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's what good partnership looks like. We sat down with 10 and we asked for a few tweaks to our contract and, and they were, were willing to support it. So I think we've landed in a good place.
1: Yeah, look, anything that improves uh, includes, you know, people's exposure to the game. And as you said, you know, the, the A-League women, that is where the growth is going to be seen in a, in a big way. Are you looking forward to that kicking off?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We made a conscious decision to pause the A League men for the World Cup and, and give the, the women's game some clear air for the first time, which um you know obviously the World Cup's gonna be going on but it's in a completely different time zone. So um in our our, our wake time zone um the A League women will be kicking off and we look forward to really putting our focuses into that and you know, our broadcast structure we're gonna be launching a, a new show to support the A League women which which I think will be a pretty one of its kind in Australian sport at least that we'll announce in the coming coming days.
1: Danny obviously uh, the women's game uh, it's worked very very well in particular the double headers worked uh, extremely well in in particular here in Newcastle the Newcastle Knights have done extremely well also with uh, putting their men and women on at the same time is there going to be a focus on that at all in this coming season or are we going to continue to see them as uh, as separate entities
0: well, I think what we've done previously it'll be a balance you know it's interesting it does divide both players and and stakeholders in the game. Some players love the double-headers and playing before or after the men, and mm-hmm. and um, some prefer to be the standalone venue where they know that everyone who's in the stand and come there to see them play. So I think that the game, like all things, is a bit of a balance. Um, you'll see this year with the fixturing, there'll be a, a bunch of double-header fixtures as well as a lot of standalone ones. So I think we'll find the right balance again.
1: So I'm going to ask you the same question that I ask Shane Matiski every time I have him on the uh, on the program. Obviously, the CEO of the Newcastle uh, Jets. Where are we yeah. at with the ownership? Uh, because of course we're still owned by four of the other A League clubs. Um, where are we up to with the ownership and uh, and that going somewhere somewhere in the next uh, in the next short term period? I suppose.
0: Yeah. Look, I think the, the four owners did an amazing job to step in at the time to, to really ensure and, and secure an A League license in Newcastle. You know, we've said from the beginning. The A League needs a strong club in Newcastle. It's a, a foundation club and a, and a really strong football community, and, and we want to make sure we serve them well. But my point about serving them well is really important. We we can't afford again to go down a path of ownership that doesn't stand the test of time and doesn't continue to invest in the club in Newcastle, and, and that's why we stepped in. Um, we, we're in active negotiation with multiple parties and have been for, for many months now around trying to find that that new owner, but. We're not rushing into it. The owners are still along. But this is not about money or anything like that. It's about commitment and having the right business partner because the structure of APL is such that we have 12 clubs and those 12 clubs are business partners. They're shareholders in the league and we're trying to find a new business partner and one that's going to deliver for the product in Newcastle and for the league itself. So um, there's certainly no, no shortage of conversations being had and, and there, there's a couple there that I think will come to fruition sooner rather than later.
1: That's great news. Now, obviously, uh, one of the big talking points in sport over the last uh, two weeks has, of course, been uh, sponsorship of sport. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got Gina, Gina Reinhardt stepping away from netball. We've got some issues with Cricket Australia. Where is the A-League sitting on, uh, on all of this? And it was wonderful, I must admit, to see, uh, you know, people often say that politics and sport should not mix. Well, what the Socceroos did this morning in coming out and, uh, and calling Qatar to account is exactly how politics and sport should work. How are you finding the uh, the sponsorship area at the moment? Is it uh, is it tough, and are you having to to look at uh, stakeholders involving the players now when you're looking at these sponsorship models?
0: Yeah, look, sponsorship is always tough in any sport to get corporate Australia to support your game is, is imperative to the success of whatever code. But equally, you know, our game was built on diversity and inclusion. If you look over the history of football in this country, you know, it started off. I think the first. Sport Indigenous Australia played was, was with the football, and, and then as we moved into the waves of migrant populations that came into this country over many decades, football was their, their reason for being and their way they assimilated. So we've, we've sort of been entrenched in our DNA, um, that whole um, you know, diversity and inclusion message, and, and we, therefore I think when we go down these paths, we, we've probably got an easier... Um, process to take our players through because they very much get all that but mm-hmm. I think the key message that we like to follow is, is engagement and consultation you know the minute you try and force things um, on playing groups or or stakeholders without the appropriate consultation um, it, it's often going to end in in disaster I think that's what we've seen in, in the couple of situations that have unfolded this last couple of weeks but equally dating back to the you know the pride jersey situation with Manly Seagulls and the NRL I think you know it's about how you manage these things it's how you educate and how you get the, the right sort of buy-in and if everyone's aligned you, you end up in a good place.
1: Now you've been involved in uh, sports sponsorship for a long long time obviously you were you were part of RepuCon International you've also been a part of Nielsen Sport are you concerned about where we're potentially going with uh, with sponsorship and what we can and can't do are you worried about the future of, uh, of professional sport in this country?
0: No, not at all. I think we're just changing. You know, I think as, as society changes and, and social causes are becoming more important, particularly to the millennial cohort of uh, fans that are coming through, you know, we in we, we, sport need to listen to that and we need to adapt ourselves. I think you know, when we look at our strategy around APL and our focus on diversity and inclusion and all those social matters, you saw the Socceroos statement this morning. I, th- I think we, we can use sport for good, we can use football as a driver of social change, and we shouldn't be afraid of that, or, or, or take that responsibility lightly. But what that does is deliver opportunities for corporates to back sports that, that do have the right values and, and the right culture. And I think you know, we're well placed to take advantage of that in football. And I think other codes should certainly be following that lead.
1: Now, Danny, round four continues tonight uh, with the Newcastle Jets taking on Western Sydney. At least it's not your—it's not Sydney FC. Um, so I'm <laughs> expecting you to have the uh, the red and blue one tomorrow.
0: I love all my clothing, <laughs>
1: Come on, you're talking <laughs> to Newcastle radio. Come on, <laughs> yeah,
0: no, no, you, you, you found me out the quick. But yeah, look, tomorrow night's going to be a great game. You know, mm. I think both clubs are undefeated, which which is fantastic for both of them. And you know, we, we need strong clubs, particularly in west of Sydney and in Newcastle. And you know, Arthur's done a fantastic job since he came to Newcastle to put a competitive team on the pitch. Yeah, with with the obvious constraints that, that he's had. And and you know, I think the way they performed first two games. You know, the opening the opening although well, the first game was unfortunately postponed. Mm. Round two game. Where Becca scored in injury time, there was just a fantastic piece of entertainment. So I'm sure that the two teams will serve up the same entertainment tomorrow
1: night. Fingers crossed, and hopefully it can be a third straight win for the Jets. That would be very nice against uh, against that uh, that black and red army down there. Now, uh, Denny, the final question uh, is obviously you know there's always expansion talk around uh, you know no matter what what sport you're talking. Um, where are we at? when when will we potentially see the next uh, expansion of, of the A League?
0: Yeah, we've made it pretty clear since we, we took over that we we want to take A League football to as many underserved football communities in Australia as we can, and, and expansion to keep part of that. Um, you know, we've, we've made no secret that we want to get to 14 teams as quickly as practical, and then on to 16 teams thereafter. But we also don't want to rush. You know, mm. I think you've got to you've got to do the right research and the work around what are, what are the, the geographies that are going to serve the league and the fans best and then what are the structures around building those clubs from bottom up that will ensure they're successful from the get-go so um, we've been doing a lot of work of that in the last couple of months actually in the next uh, probably I'd say three months we'll come out publicly with a, a pretty clear plan on what we're doing and and which geographies we're going to be looking to serve, and um, yeah, it's going to be a really exciting part of the next couple of years transition for the league. And
1: surely we've got to be looking at uh, at Canberra and Tasmania. I mean, they're one of the uh, they're one of the two areas that have such great uh, great nurseries and great growth. Yet they don't uh, they don't have any representation in the
0: A League. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, they're certainly on our list, uh, as, as are a bunch of other cities that have put their hand up. So yeah, look, definitely that, that's the type of thing that go into our our thinking is you know which ones are going to the best serve the league and which ones have got the amount of football fans there that would get behind a, a club. So, yeah, those two are certainly
1: on the list. Well, congratulations as uh, as we do head into uh, into this season. It is uh, round four, so we're still early days, but it uh, it certainly is looking like a fantastic season and uh, I'm sure yourself and uh, and the board of the APL must be very pleased on where we're at at the moment.
0: Yeah, thanks, Grace. Long way to go. You know, we, this, is, this is a marathon, not a sprint, but mm. we're doing everything we can and we're confident that we've got a great product and... Football in this country is, uh, you know, the, the biggest sport in terms of participation. So we've got a huge amount of foundational strength to take advantage of. We've just got to go do it. So, yeah, thanks for your support.
1: My pleasure. You look after yourself and we'll chat again soon.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Tracy. Thank Bye.
1: you. That was Denny Townsend, the CEO of the A-Leagues. And, of course, our Newcastle Jets are in action tonight. 7.45 against Western Sydney. Fingers crossed we can go 3-0. and Would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yo, Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live.